Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, the podcast designed to simplify the complex job of managing and leading people and operating a business. And our goal with every podcast is to share at least one proven business practice that will help you build a more sustainable, profitable, and purpose-driven company. Today's guest is Mr. Bill Black. He's the exit coach. He's one of the first in the United States to earn the prestigious CEXP designation. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. He's past chairman of the Private Business Group, a national group of over 100 consulting professionals. And Bill's got an interesting work philosophy rooted in the premise that business owners are his heroes. And he says that every owner will eventually exit their business voluntarily or otherwise. I want to make sure they get the maximum value for their efforts. So please help me welcome Bill to the Ed Epley Experience. Hi, Bill. Hi, Ed. Thanks so much for having me today. Excited to have you here. I, uh, I, I should share with our audience that you and I met uh, when we were on the other side of the, each other's microphones. I was a guest on your Exit Coach podcast. And I was, uh, frankly, I was infected with your passion about business owners, and that made me want to have you as a guest. How did you get into this world of working with exit strategies for business owners? Well, thanks for asking, Ed. Um, About, uh, oh gosh, 35 years ago, I started off in the insurance, the life insurance business, and I I realized I wanted to work with business owners. And uh, I, I started really diving into all the complex strategies. I was much more interested in the strategies than the actual insurance product. Uh, and in um, about 20 plus years ago, I came across a gentleman who was uh, starting to train advisors he, from his law firm, where he worked a lot with uh, mergers and acquisitions and business succession planning. And he realized that what was lacking for a lot of business owners was a proven process to help them go from, I think I want to retire someday, to how to actually do it, what the steps were. And I realized at that moment, I really wanted to, to work with this process. Uh, and since then, he's, he's grown this group. It's called BEI, Business Enterprise Institute out of Denver, Colorado. He's trained over a thousand advisors. And at that point, I realized, you know, wh- what I really want to do is something that's helping business owners, again, my heroes, because I come from an entrepreneurial family, to get to a successful outcome in the exit because there were a huge number of baby boomers yeah. who started businesses and now they're, they're reaching that time when they need to do something um, to extract themselves from the business. So it was, it was back then and I've uh, kind of never looked back. I've enjoyed it ever since. You say you come from an entrepreneurial family. Can you elaborate for us? Yeah, I'd be happy to. My my uh, father was very entrepreneurial in the insurance business. His father was very entrepreneurial in the natural gas business back in Pennsylvania and Florida, where I grew up in Florida. And my my half brothers about uh, 15 years ago started importing a fruit from Brazil that's become a, a very um, uh, 
prevalent brand in the natural juice division. And in and around there, my father's brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles were all in business of some type, whether it was uh, the business of, of law or the business of production of uh, uh, Broadway events. Uh, there are just a lot of different entrepreneurial ventures going on all around me. So they, they were always my heroes. And then as I, as I started working with business owners, um, you know, and becoming a trusted advisor to those business owners, uh, I found that I really identified what, with what they were going through, all the challenges that they face on a daily basis, and, uh, and wanted to help them with this huge challenge of how do they transfer um, a business or sell it to an outsider um, and, and realize, you know, their, their dream. Do you, do you ever use the word sustainability in the conversations you have with your clients? Yes, often, often, because that's, you know, really, that's a key issue for business owners is as long as they're there to get up every day and do what they do, that's one thing. But the question is, um, how well have they prepared the business to continue to sustain beyond their ownership? And for a lot of owners, it's a wake up call because they say, yeah, I want to sell this thing. But the problem is that the business is all about them and they're not doing enough. So that's a huge area that I work with owners in is to say, look, we need to transition your tasks to others uh, and, and really reduce your uh, importance to the day-to-day -day operations so that you have something that can sustain. Otherwise, it's not very valuable. It really isn't. I, I, my experience uh, and thinking both of, of my own ownership of some businesses, but then um, which which I started um, and also then watching other people who've started businesses and in many cases made made them very successful. Most of us never thought of getting out of the business when we started it. Most of us never even want, you know, most of us started it under the premise, hoping we could could make it go and be viable, but not really ever knowing. So the whole idea of thinking about exit strategies is really uncommon and uh, it's inconsistent with the way most entrepreneurs, I think, believe or, or, or think in, in, in ways they operate their business. Is that what you experienced? Yeah, and I I think there's there's enough to think about when you're when you're starting and operating a business and just trying to keep it going and growing. Uh, you have a, a lot on your plate, and uh, I think that uh, for a lot of people, I would call it uh, I would call it GD. They have uh, they have GD. It's geriatric denial, and I don't know if you have it, but I certainly do. I, I don't want to think of myself as getting older. When I go to a, a rock concert, I look around me, and and I'm sure none of the people there think they're getting older, but we sure are. <laughs> what I tell people, you know, is is really what's happened is an amazing thing because of uh, medical technology, and 65, you know, 65 is a new 55. We all have heard that, and 75 is a new 65. But here's the other thing: is 80 is still kind of 80. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, we we can push it off for a while, but at some point we got to come to deal with the fact that we're getting, you know, we're getting up there. And yeah. I think a lot of people, when you couple that, you know, the demographics are clear that um, the baby boomers born between 1946 and 1964 are now about 65 right in the middle, 10,000 Americans turning 65 every day for the next 15 years. That's, that's indisputable. The problem is that they're not their dad's or mom's 65. 
they're, they feel younger and they feel like I can push this on and couple that with the fact that the Great Recession put uh, a crimp in, in a lot of people's desires that, you know, that those are the years when when I tell people there's there was no E in the EBITDA. And if you're a business owner, you know what I mean? There was no earnings in your your sale formula. Uh, so you couldn't really sell your business. So you were forced to say, well, maybe in five years it'll come back. Now it's come back. Uh, and a lot of owners are starting to are saying, you know, now I want to get out before it, the next whatever recession happens. What they don't want to be is 75 and having to resurrect a business because there's no E in the EBITDA. Well, you you brought up a very important point. The best time to sell the business is when it's worth the most to someone else, which may not be when we want to sell it, right? Right, right. The best time to sell is when it's doing well. That's that's basically a, a easy easy thing for people to remember. And the question is, uh, in a lot of small business, and again, the businesses in America and the United States uh, make up a pretty good pyramid. There's a few businesses at the top that are the publicly traded businesses, but there's a lot at the bottom that are the privately held businesses. And those are the ones uh, who have made a nice living. Um, it's been great for them and their family. Now they have to figure out what happens to uh, at the end to monetize that and keep that business alive for their employees who have become like family members as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think the loyalty that most business owners that I've been around feel to the people who've helped them get the business going, keep it going, and in some cases grow it and, and, and get it to a meaningful size is, is very significant. So they, they want to know how they can uh, hopefully uh, reward those people in a financial way without you know, harming the, the owner's ability to have some kind of uh, comfortable lifestyle when it's all said and done, because most of the business owners that I know of that, you know, under $10 million a year in revenues uh, have bought a good job, as you've indicated, but their net worth really doesn't, is not very high outside of what the business can do for them or, or in terms of its, its balance sheet. So it's, it's a challenge. You're listening to the Ed Epley Experience. Email Ed now with your questions for today's guest to podcast at theepleygroup.com. In his book, Let's Be Clear, Six Disciplines of Focused Management Pros, author Ed Epley breaks down key practices of professional management, how to implement them, and why it matters. Purchase your copy on Amazon.com today. Develop your competitive edge for the future while building a sustainable and thriving business. I noticed in your bio, you have this uh, CEXP designation. Why don't you explain to the audience what that is and, and why that should probably matter to somebody who wants to talk about exit strategy? Well, most people are uh, familiar with CPA or CFP, Certified Financial Planner, um, what this attorney who uh, started this group that trains exit planners realized was that uh, not only was there not a process, but there was not a credentialing uh, process for for advisors to to prove that they've you know they're serious about this particular topic, yeah. and so he set out to create a an accredited. Uh, pr uh, series of courses, kind of like a, you'd take if you were a CPA or again, a CFP, 
that would prove that you understood. Now, you have to realize uh, exit planning, you don't do all of the work of all of the professionals. You basically lead a team of professionals and coordinate it with a team of professionals. But in, along the way, you have different strategies that cross many disciplines. You have tax-related strategies, legal-related strategies, uh, business-related strategies, and some, sometimes psychology comes into play. Uh, so there are a lot of different strategies that come into play, and the exit planner should be well-versed at least to understand all of those strategies, although, like I say, they, don't have, they won't be called on to implement those strategies. They'll work with the advisors. But the idea is that it's kind of like having a, an architect for building a home you have somebody who can build the plan that knows enough about these other disciplines that the home's going to look good when it's done as long as the contractors follow the blueprint. Uh, you just hit on a, a word there in your description of the disciplines that I don't think most people will think about when it comes to an exit strategy, and that's the psychology. Uh, explain what you, what you mean by that and why it probably should matter to most uh, business owners. Well, a lot of business in the smaller side, the, the size you mentioned, under $10 million in, in revenues, um, they, are, uh, they have family members involved. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's a huge uh, issue there with regards to how they're going to deal with those family members who might have expectations that they're going to take over. And maybe, they, you know, maybe they've been promised that. And oftentimes I get called to uh, To help business owners assess without emotion whether they're what I call the SOB, the son of the boss. That's you know we don't we don't call him that to his face, but sometimes the employees do behind his back. We call them <laughs> that to board leaders. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know: Do they really have what it takes, or are they just simply born into a situation that they're going to you know, make you know m- maybe make horrible situation out of it. And there's a lot on the line for those business owners because they're going to rely on the proceeds and the continuation of that business for their, that's their retirement plan. You know, and the alternative was sell it to an outside buyer and hopefully cash out and things work out. So a lot of times there's, there are um, discussions that require uh, special handling uh, with, with those, um, family members that are in the business and helping the business owner work through those issues. How often do you see that a business owner has a lot of their own self-worth tied up in the business? And so that when they no longer are running the business, that, you know, they, they don't feel like they're contributing, that they don't have much value, that what are they going to do with all this free time? Do you see that ever an issue? Yes, that's a great point, Ed. And that actually, that's been addressed by some of these, uh, this exit planning group, for instance, is that one of the key reasons business owners don't pull the trigger when they should on selling their business is they don't really, they're not prepared for what they're going to do with their life after that. Um, they don't want to lose their identity. You know, it's what they've done for so many years. It's, it's, it's what they've contributed to their community. And, um, for for a lot of people, I think it's it's helpful to start thinking about that a couple of years in advance. And there are there are other groups to help people find their way as far as what what would you want to do that's that you where you would feel significant because most business owners 
don't want to sit around and do nothing. They're, they're, they put things together in a lot of cases, and they want to feel like they're being significant with their lives and to their communities. So, yes, um, uh, figuring out uh, what, what's next is a, is a huge part before you uh, – well, it really helps move them towards – uh, moving away from their business to something, not just getting out of their business and feeling worthless. I uh, I know you have a big audience on your podcast. Uh, uh, I have a small disturbed group of followers on mine, and uh, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I'm 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 speaking. In in many cases, I ask this question. I'm 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 thinking of very specific people who might be hopefully listening to this podcast. So the question is, in most cases, do you find when an owner sells that they're better off to sell and leave, or is it better for them to ease their way out of the business over some period of time? Wow, that's a, uh, that, that's a great question, and there are, there are many answers to that question that depend heavily on whether the owner has done a good job setting themselves up financially so that you know what what I what we tell people is in in the world of mergers and acquisitions, the first check cashes, the second one's late, and the third one might not come. So financially, you need to be prepared for what if you don't get the third payment of your earnout? Can you do that, or do you need to really stay involved with your business and keep cashing checks from your business by being involved with it? Um, second is are they as we mentioned psychologically ready to move away from the business either to do something else in business or to actually uh, fulfill their retirement dreams. And third, they, they really want to check and see, uh, is the business in a marketplace going to support their sale? So it's kind of like Las Vegas. If you have those three, those three times line up, the business is ready, the owner's ready, and the, the financial marketplace is ready. You can have a successful sale for other business owners. They just may want to go and uh, half retire. That's yeah. what the phrase we use. So basically, stay involved, but really cut back on what you do for the business, just to the very, very most important things that that you need to do, and continue to cash checks, continue to be involved, and and make a plan for what happens if you, uh, you know, if you pass away. You uh, you like to say that a business is basically someone goes out of business voluntarily or otherwise. I like to say it's you either go out on your terms or you go out on somebody else's. Um, so I think we we think a lot alike there. What percent of uh, somebody's inability to exit the business successfully is because they have not built a successor to them to do? Um, maybe it's several successors because oftentimes entrepreneurs are unicorns, you're not going to replace them with one individual. So, so how much is it, how often is it that I haven't created in others the capacity to do what I brought to the business? I, I think it's a large percentage. Um, and it's in some cases, it may not be even you. It may be your trusted assistant of 30 years who runs everything in the office, but keeps everything in his or her head. Good point. It's very, very important as, as early a stage as possible um, to start documenting um, and and being very specific about the documentation of what the different uh, jobs are in the business, what the tasks are in those jobs, so that at some point, whether it's you, whether it's the next owner, whether it's your your son or daughter coming up, you know, after getting bad news that, about you. Um, 
can hit the ground running with that information, that documentation. And uh, it's important not only to capture that information, but update it because uh, people are, you know, finding better ways to do things with technology uh, on, a, on a regular basis. And, you know, for the owner, they really, uh, in a lot of cases, I find that they really have a long list of things that they should not be doing in the first place, but they do it because why, Ed? Because it's, if I can do it faster and I can tell somebody how to do it. Oh, yeah. There's right? any, well, or also it's because I love doing it, even though I'm not the best person to do it. I love doing that. <laughs> right, 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 right. And And that could be uh, you know, dealing with the customers. Uh, I, I love dealing with the customers. Well, that's great. But what happens when you're not going to be dealing with them? Who who are they going to go to or are they going to go somewhere else? Um, so identifying all of your tasks early on. And here's a reason that why we like to do that, Ed, is because we find that if we can clear up headspace for the owner by by getting rid of one third or one half of their activities that they really need to delegate anyways, that frees them up. A lot of times the owners come back and say, you know what? I, I don't feel so desperate about leaving anymore. I'm, in, I'm right. enjoying it because I, uh, I took Wednesday off and I played right. golf or I, I painted or whatever I wanted to do. I took some time to myself. Uh, and that's a very helpful exercise for people is, you know what? You, you've been doing this for so long. Of course, you're feeling burned out. Of course, you're feeling tired. Um, take some time back to yourself. And and then that starts the task of delegating. Second thing it does is it frees up time to then start working on, as you mentioned earlier, the sustainability and the value building of your business, which is working on the business, as we've all heard, instead of working in the business. One of the things I'm blessed to be able to do is be on the, uh, the faculty of Aileron, which helps uh, business owners install professional management into their business all under the premise that if you do that, you're probably going to run a more successful business, employ more people and make the communities in which you operate better places to live. Something that we suggest most businesses benefit from is a board of advisors, not a board of directors, but a board of, board of advisors of a, a group of two or three individuals who are, have no vested interest in the business, but have earned the right, um, having taken risks of a similar nature themselves to help the business owner have accountability, uh, provide expertise in areas where the business needs or will need in order to become better. Um, I'm wondering what your opinion is about board of advisors. Do you see them often? Do you, do you find people who have them are better prepared to exit or not? Uh, I'll tell you one thing uh, that I find is that uh, the, the emergence of, of peer groups yeah. like Aileron and, and, and Vistage and Renaissance and Convene and, and many, many others is one of the best things that's ever happened for a lonely business owner. You know, it's lonely to be a business owner. If you're having problems, you can't just go tell very many people in your office because they don't want to hear it, number one, and you don't want, to, you don't want them to start looking for jobs because things are tough. Right. Um, so having an, an advisor group or a peer group that you belong to is really helpful, not only for the business owner, but for the, the successors that are coming up. Um, they can learn an awful lot by investing a day a month or something like that. But as you mentioned, you know, having those things, uh, an advisor board or someone else that you can talk to confidentially um, is is the best thing I think business owners can do to um, to start sharing some of the the issues and problems that they have and, and uh, finding out solutions because you're not the first one to have gone through what you're going through. 
as yeah. a business owner. Yeah. But the problem is where, where can I talk about it confidentially so it doesn't get out into the business community, um, doesn't come back to my key employees. And having advisor boards um, is a rare thing because it seems like everybody's so busy these days that you know, it's it's tough for people to get together, but these peer groups and, and having some kind of advisor group make a business that much easier to transfer, sell, or for the owner to go part-time. I'm guessing, again, thinking of my audience, that there's gonna there's a couple of people wanting, okay, so if I wanted to use somebody like you, one of, one of these certified exit planning people, how do they get compensated? Well, typically what will happen is, um, well, first of all, let's, let's realize that most, you know, exit planning's fairly new. It's been around, it's kind of like um, elder law, you know, it wasn't a big deal and now it's a big deal. Yeah. Exit planning wasn't a big deal and now it's a big deal. Um, exit planning is, is not for everyone, but if you're a small business owner and you're not sure which way you want to go, you probably want someone that you can talk to who's not going to charge you an exorbitant fee like an attorney, number one. And most people won't call their attorney because they realize that, you know, a sneeze is $50. A short phone call is $500. Um, number two, a CPA uh, might be a good confidant for that, but they're not going to have the breadth of knowledge usually that you'll find from uh, someone in exit planning. So an exit planner can basically help you for a usually a, a fixed fee or an hourly fee, depending on the size of the client, to really talk about and define your goals and define those strategies. And the good thing is, uh, if someone's good at it, they'll save you back their fee many times over by you being prepared when you talk to an attorney or a CPA and reducing their fees and contain kind of containing the team's fees overall. That's wonderful. That's good to hear. Uh, I've got to wrap up because we're up against our time. We try to make sure that we get good ideas to one or two good ideas to our audience in, in our 20 to 30 minutes that these podcasts last. So we're kind of getting against that time. Is there is there one one major idea you'd like to get across to our audience that, that you think would really uh, help somebody who either owns a closely held business or is, is it perhaps even working in one that you think that they ought to know? Yeah, here's here's something I would recommend everybody basically uh, pull out a piece of paper and write three T's on it. The three T's of exit planning are timing. You know, when do you want to be out of your business? Set a timing goal because that helps everybody to work towards that timing goal. Yep. Uh, you know, when do you want to go part time? Maybe you want to go part time and then completely be out of it on your 70th birthday. I don't know, you know, whatever your goals are. Second, the second T is target. Who, who do you think you want to be the next owner of your business, whether it's an outside buyer? Is there a specific outside buyer you'd like to target? Um, is it an, uh, an industry? Is it just whoever shows up? Or is it a key person or is it an employee or a group of employees? Who's your target? And right. the third T stands for treasure. How much do you need to get out of the business sale after taxes so that you are uh, your home financially, if that's where you want to be at that point? You know, what, what do you need the value of the business to be? With those three T's, you really set the stage for this planning in a wonderful way. I love it. I love it. And, and uh, you've, you've uh, simplified again, something complex, which is what we love to do. Um, Bill, if somebody wants to reach you, what's the best way? 
Well, they can look at my, my website is ERSI, that's Exit Retirement Strategies, Inc., dot biz. Uh, you can Google me, uh, Bill Black, but not just Bill Black, that's Elvis's bass player. You want to put Bill, <laughs> Bill Black Exit Coach, you'll find me that way. Uh, or feel free to give me a call, 866-370-3774. Uh, it's wonderful. It's been a pleasure to have you uh, join us, Bill. You're uh, you're a real pro, both in terms of the work you do, I know, but also in terms of your podcast. I, I would encourage folks to to listen to the Exit Coach podcast because there's so much good information and, and the talent that you bring to the to the uh, podcast. If you want to learn more about professional management and organizational health, you can get my book, Let's Be Clear, or even listen to this podcast and others. Visit our website, theepleygroup.com. That's E-P-P-L-E-Y, epleygroup.com. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Once again, Bill, I want to thank you for being with us today. Thanks to all our listeners, and we'll look forward to talking to all of you soon. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's theepleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.